Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, part of our year-long podcast series on Courageous Connections. And this week, I wanted to talk about a courageous connection through forgiveness. Recently, just earlier this week, um, my I finished celebrating the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, and the conclusion of a 10-day period from the beginning of the Jewish New Year until Yom Kippur, when we really think a lot about what was the nature of our behavior throughout the year and the deeds that we did, and forgiveness is a primary theme, forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others. And as I think about courageous connections, forgiveness is a powerful one. Forgiveness is a gateway to furthering relationships. And I'm going to talk in this podcast both about forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others because the truth is that we're always in relationship with both. And those relationships are interconnected. So the relationship I have with myself impacts the relationship that I am going to have with others. And the relationship that I have with others comes back around and influences how I feel about myself and how I continue to engage with myself. And so there isn't really a separation between them, but they are two aspects of forgiveness that we need to kind of look at and look at them in some similar and slightly different ways. So in service to our journey of thinking about courageous connections, I want to take this on as what is our path to courageously connecting with ourself through the practice of self-forgiveness? And what is the practice or the journey of creating deeper connections with others or allowing for a further progress of relationship where there may have been a hurt that went on through the practice of forgiveness, forgiveness of others? So I want to start with, um, well, I want to bring some in, in some master teachers. This is definitely not going to be all me today. But Mahatma Gandhi, when he talked about forgiveness, I guess the most famous quote attributed to him is, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. And it certainly feels that way. The forgiveness can be one of the most challenging things to come to. Again, regardless of whether it's forgiveness of self or forgiveness of others. We have an internal barometer of right and wrong, acceptable and not acceptable, good and bad behavior, or good and bad intent. And on one level, we use those barometers to help guide us in how to behave, to help us know how to show up in the world, to help us think about how to treat others. And at the very same time that we have these guideposts, that are showing us how to be in the world, forgiveness demands of us that we look beyond those guideposts and we recognize that every person is fallible, ourselves, everyone else we will encounter, and that there will always be violation of those guideposts. So while those guideposts are there to help us know how to behave and guide us on the way, if we adhere so strictly and if we're so inflexible about adherence to them, 
then we will live in a constant state of not being able to forgive ourselves or forgive anyone else. So it's one of those paradoxes that life asks us to accept. Can we have the guideposts and at the same time accept that we and others will always be in violation of them? And it will be required of us to forgive in order to continue to move forward in relationship. So an interesting paradox to take on. In terms of the forgiveness of others, I wanted to take this one on first. Sometimes people find it easier to forgive others or we hear that. But let's think about that. There's certain, I think there are probably certain times we can find it easier to forgive. So, okay, you know, you're always on time and this time you were late picking me up or something like that and you asked for my forgiveness. And it seems easy. That doesn't seem like a hard one, right? You're always on time. You typically are really respecting me and my time. This time you missed the mark. That feels like an easy forgiveness. And then there are those, it's on, a, it's on a, like a spectrum, right? And it can get really severe. Like you hurt me in a really bad way. You hurt me again and again and again. And so what is this nature of forgiving others? What does it really mean to forgive? And how do we go about doing it, especially in the places where it's really hard? So as part of the religious ceremonies that we had for Yom Kippur, um, the rabbi actually talked a little bit about this and was kind of going to what are the definitions of forgiveness. And one of the things that she brought forward was that it really didn't have to do with the other person. It had to do, it was a very internal experience. Forgiveness was about a releasing of the anger a releasing of the resentment, that the act of forgiving, while in our minds we associate it with the other person and what they've done to us, that the forgiveness is actually a healing of our own heart, our own heart that is holding on to something that may be eating away at the fabric of us and something that may be getting in the way of future relationship, whether it be with that person or sometimes with others, you know, if somebody violates our trusts and we can't forgive them for that. It may not only be them with whom we can't feel trusted again, but we may actually then carry that over. Maybe I don't want to trust anybody anymore because I couldn't forgive that violation. I couldn't release and let go of any of the anger and resentment that I hold and I now transfer it out. So that this notion that the forgiveness is actually about what is our own internal experience, regardless of what someone else has done to us is a powerful idea. And I wanted to share this, you know, as I said, I'm gonna bring in some of the master teachers here who have, um, you know, great wisdom on this. And I'm actually gonna read directly from it. It is part of a speech that Martin Luther King Jr. gave on forgiveness. And he gave this at the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church on Christmas in 1957. And as would make sense for the speech from King is that the notion of forgiveness came up specifically in relationship to what was going on with race relations in the United States in 1957. And he begins, first, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive because he or she, 
I'm adding that in. I'm adding in the feminine. It was not there in the original text in 1957. He or she who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. It's a pretty powerful statement. It is impossible even to begin the act of loving one's enemies without the prior acceptance of the necessity over and over again of forgiving those who inflict evil and injury upon us. It is also necessary to realize that the forgiving act must always be initiated by the person who has been wronged, the victim of some great hurt, the recipient of some torturous injustice, the absorber of some terrible act of oppression. The wrongdoer might request forgiveness. She or he might come to him or herself and like the prodigal son, move up and down a dusty road, heart palpitating with the desire for forgiveness. But it is only the injured neighbor, the loving one back home, that can really pour out the warm waters of forgiveness. Because forgiveness does not mean ignoring what has been done or putting a false label on an evil act. It means rather that the evil act no longer remains as a barrier to the relationship. Forgiveness is the catalyst creating the atmosphere necessary for a fresh start and a new beginning. It is the lifting of a burden or the canceling of a debt. The words, I will forgive you, but I'll never forget what you have done, never explain the real nature of forgiveness. Certainly one cannot forget, if that means erasing it totally from mind. But when we forgive, we forget in the sense that the evil deed is no longer a mental block impeding a new relationship. Likewise, we can never say, I will never forgive you, but I won't, I will forgive you, but I won't have anything further to do with you, because forgiveness means reconciliation, a coming together again. Without this, this, no one can love his or her enemies. So this is a piece, the beginning piece of King's speech, and he goes on <clears throat> to talk about why it's so important and he talks about this part that can grow inside of us, this evil part or that can grow inside of us and eat away at us because we're unwilling to forgive and that we actually, whatever wrong was done to us, we do worse wrong and more wrong to ourselves and more damage to ourselves by continuing to feel the anger and the resentment that grows inside of us in relationship to that experience. The other piece of it that King recognizes is that as we hold anger and resentment and we keep it alive, we put back out into the world something that matches what was done to us. There isn't one that is better. So an evil was done to us or a bad was or a hurt was done to us and that was a, an act that caused pain, but our continuing to hold on to that pain has the same effect in the world, in the big universal matrix of, you know, where we all live, it doesn't matter what the source of it was. It matters that we keep that perpetuating and we keep that, you know, alive. And so, you know, whether it's for ourselves or because we recognize that in this larger universe, a hate met with a hate or an anger met with an anger or a misdeed, you know, met with you know, anger and resentment perpetually, just that's what we will all live in. We will all bathe in that sea of anger and resentment. So this is kind of the nature of forgiveness 
of others and whether the, the missing of the mark or the misdeed that was done is small or it was great, the forgiveness is not that we will forgive and, and release the other person of guilt or shame for it. That's not the purpose. The purpose of the forgiveness is that we will release ourselves and they will release themselves and that's how it all happens. So this then goes into, leads kind of a nice segue into forgiveness of self. Because as difficult as it can be to forgive others, we often, many people have an even more difficult time forgiving themselves. And forgiving the self is, I've done something, I've hurt someone, I lost my temper, I said something to someone that was really hurtful and I can't forgive myself or what if I did something and it might endanger someone else how could I ever forgive myself or what if God forbid I've done something that has you know caused irreparable harm or damage to someone else and we can only imagine the kinds of scenarios you know someone who was a drunk driver and ended up killing someone or hurting and maiming someone in the gravest extent versus something else how do we come to forgive ourselves and should we? I think there's this sense that I've seen and experiences I've worked with clients who really struggle to let go of the guilt and shame that comes with something them having felt that they've done wrong. And what I've noticed is that that holding on to that peace is the very thing that keeps them out of loving relationship with themselves out of progressing into a loving relationship or restoring a loving relationship with someone else and serves as an all-around barrier because we become so self-concerned with the guilt and the shame that we don't have an openness to almost anybody or anything that's free and clear. Like we're never free and clear to just enjoy or to bring our best selves forward or to be of the greatest love that we can be because that layer of guilt and shame is always in the way. And I have this sense that there's part of our Judeo-Christian heritage that would have us hold on to that. You know, you are not, you can't be released from it until you've been whipped and, and whipped and whipped and beaten again and beaten again and beaten again because beating, being beaten again enough times until you've hurt so badly that you know that you will never do it again. The problem is, is that that doesn't actually turn out to be true. We can look at it from social science research, we can look at it from neuroscience research, that the continuous beating of oneself or the continual beating and punishing of someone else does not actually lead to a reversal of behavior. It doesn't lead to a purification of the soul. In fact, it tends to lead to a perpetuation of more of the same. So self-inflicting, continuous wounding, wounding, wounding over again tends to lead us to wound others more, wound ourselves and wound, other, wound others more. Continue anger toward other people just breeds more anger for ourselves and then for others. So there's no research in the neuroscience. There is no research in um, the social sciences that supports any of this ideal that if we beat ourselves up enough that eventually our system will learn never to do the thing again. And so 
whether you want to take it from a faith-based perspective and a spiritual perspective, or you want the scientific perspective, um, neither one of them supports the beating up. They support the returning to love because the more we can fill our hearts and we can fill our minds with loving thoughts and with positive thoughts and healing thoughts and thoughts of grace and compassion, the more we will put that out into the world, the more we will receive it and the more our life will be filled with those things. And so how do we arrive at courageous connections, particularly in difficult times? You know, I look out politically, we're in difficult times. There's a lot of things socially going on in our communities and our environments and our cities that have deep implications. And it's very easy to be in the space of rightness and wrongness and to say, well, these are how you're supposed to behave. And we don't. And if we don't, we have to, you know, punish or we have to put down or we have to, you know, prove something to this other side or we can't let go of the hate. And as King and Gandhi, two of the teachers have taught us, two teachers who came up against, you know, the gravest of enemies who would have sought to undo the very ideals and, and that they stood for, their response was to forgive. Their response was to encourage others to forgive and for us to find a path to doing that. So all of this, you know, okay, I've laid out the case for forgiveness and then becomes the really hard question of, well, how do you do it? Like, how do you do that? How do you stop beating yourself up over and over again when you're not even trying to anymore, but it's just happening because it's what you've always done or you have an anger. And I've seen so many families just torn apart by people who could not let go of the thing that was standing in the way. How do you get from here to there? Well, I'd love to say it was one of those things, four simple steps. You just do A, B, C, and D, and it's all gone. Poof, magic, right? You know, we've got my little magic wand. You know, there are steps involved. And as I like to say, they're simple but not easy. And so it requires a real commitment to getting from here to there, a real desire and wanting to. And so that's the first piece, right, is a desire and wanting to. I have to want to get to something else because there has to be a reason you know, whether it's I want to feel more loving inside, I want to stop being in pain, I want to stop kind of living with the destructive nature of resentment and anger inside of me, whatever those reasons are. And so the first piece is actually to choose it, that that's what we want. And then, you know, what are the steps that psychologists that we put out there are the steps to helping to unravel that? The first one I've just described is that. The next one is to seek understanding. When we can allow ourselves to seek any glimmer of understanding why I may have done the thing that I did that I don't feel good about, what may have led me to that, you know, poor sleep or a lot of burdens or perhaps something in my upbringing or, you know, a fear that I've not yet been able to get control of, whatever it is, or why might another have done what they've done that felt so hurtful to me. If we can push ourselves to find any glimmer of understanding, and that glimmer of understanding requires us to recognize and really, really fully accept that human beings are complex. We all have joy and love and compassion and warmth, and we all also have, you know, destruction and a bit of evil in us and a bit of selfishness in us and all these other things, we all have both. There isn't a human that doesn't. 
since we all have the both and we all have them in so many complex forms the understanding comes from how could somebody you know do this is because somebody is human right and you know we can come up the seeking understanding part is some aspects of what can I understand about this person that may have led that or what can I understand about myself that may have led me to act this way the understanding isn't about letting off the hook the understanding is about releasing our own stronghold from our righteousness the next step is moving into this piece of common humanity and recognizing a common humanity means two things to me one is the recognition that all of us are human and all of us are fallible and every single one of us is going to make mistakes and whether those mistakes seem big to us or they seem little to us in the broad scale of humanity they're just human error and they're human mistake and we're all going to have it and so accepting someone else's fallibility at the same time means accepting our own which many of us don't like to do you know i have my own struggles with that but that's really what this second piece is, is can I accept a common humanity? For me, the other piece of common humanity is the recognition that everything is interconnected. I can't feel hate that only goes out to you. Hate that I feel comes to me as much as it does to you, and then it goes out into the world for everybody else. You know, a smell is released, and it's released to everything around. It's not like, oh, you know, I, I just meant for the smell to go there or for, you know, this thing to happen over here. You know, seeds travel, and energy travels, and thoughts and emotions and moods travel, and, and hatred does too. So the fact of recognizing that we are all unified and everything that we put out into the world becomes then part of the universal whole and our own responsibility in taking control over what we're putting out there. The next step is to take some responsibility and some form of amends. That might be the willingness to apologize to oneself and forgive oneself. It might be to go make amends to someone else and say, here's how I hurt you and I'm sorry for that. Or here's how you hurt me and I choose, you know, forgiveness and love. Or here's what happened and here's what I'm really going to try my best to do better next time even recognizing as I do that I'm still fallible and may make a mistake again, even as hard as I try. So this make amends is taking some responsibility, some ownership and doing something active um, that demonstrates that. And then finally is this last piece of asking forgiveness from some kind of higher power. Some people may believe in God, some people may believe in some version of God, may believe in Mother Nature, may believe in the universe. But to recognize that, you know, we're not alone in this. And for all that I've put out into the universe, into the world, you know, whether if it's a religious stance in the name of God or as God was a witness to it, or because I am in common humanity with all of my fellow people that, you know, I'm looking for forgiveness from, you know, our human matrix. But to ask for something that is bigger than ourselves, to ask for forgiveness from some entity or um, relationship that is larger than ourselves. And then in these pieces and following these practices that we can come to some level of reconciliation. 
And that's really what King goes on to talk about as the goal is reconciliation. And reconciliation to him is making space for a new formation of the relationship. And whether that's in race relations, whether that's in divorce relations, whether that's in family relations, whether that's in, you know, what happens in the workplace. It's our saying, I am willing to make space for something new and possibly better, hopefully better, to emerge in the space of this relationship. And the same is true with oneself. So in order for courageous connections with others to happen, this is an aspect of courageously connecting inside of ourselves. It's coming to terms with the layers and the complexity of forgiveness. So my game-changing question here really has to do with what part of me needs to accept what forgiveness is really about so that I can choose the option to forgive. So if this episode speaks to you, I encourage you to spend some time, send, spend some time with the steps. Send me some feedback, as you know I always love, and please pass it along to anyone you feel like um, would benefit from it. Share on our Facebook page. We'll have it posted there in our Wonder, to Wait, Wonder Your Way to Brilliant Facebook group. Um, and of course, if you value the show, go head on to iTunes and rate it there as well. And with all this, um, may we go forth spreading love and may we go forth seeking deep and real connection, courageous connection with ourselves and with all the others with whom we share this beautiful world. <laughs>